This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. We are back. We took a break week last week, and it was really nice to just have a week off from everything and enjoy time with our families. And I'm so excited to bring you a new episode this week and jump into the new year next week. So today you're listening to episode 353, and my guest is Michelle Baxter. You know I love a good sub-three-hour marathon story, and that is what we're giving you today. Michelle is a runner who lives in Alaska, which I love that, and I just had so many questions about that. I'm like, badass training through those winters, seriously. And she just recently ran a 258 at CIM, California International Marathon. This has been an eight-year journey for her. She's had two babies in the process. She has two boys. And we get to hear about her training, what she did differently with her nutrition, her fueling strategy, and how the race went. Michelle's a fun follow on Instagram, and you can find her. She's the runner's plate over there. Uh, While you're over there checking out her account, make sure you give us a follow as well. I am lindsayhine626 on Instagram, and Sandy Boy Productions, my podcast network, is just Sandy Boy Productions over there. We would love to have you connect with us over there. All right, friends, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Prevenex, and this is where I get all of my multivitamins, supplements, protein powder, and this is the right time for you to check it out if you haven't already. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while now, you know I've been using their products forever, and I truly believe in them. They are highly effective. And the one product I really want to recommend right now is their Neurofi Plus. This is a staple in my own life and in my family's life. Neurofi Plus is a plant-based protein shake. It's vegan. It's super clean and healthy, extremely filling, and it's loaded with high-quality nutrients, and it tastes great. You can totally take the guesswork out of having a balanced and healthy breakfast. And I personally love refueling with Neurofi post-run. I can just shake it up with some water and move right on to the next thing. It has a great balance of proteins, fats, and carbohydrates, everything you need with vitamins and minerals. And if you're looking to level up your health in 2022, implement Neurofi now. To save 15% off your first order, visit Prevenex.com and use the code ANOTHER. That's Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER. Let me know what you think. All right, friends, I am really excited for you to hear this conversation with Michelle. And if you love it, leave us a quick rating and review so potential new listeners can find out about the show. That would be a huge, huge help. I super appreciate all of those ratings and reviews. All right. Enjoy my conversation with Michelle. Well, today on I'll Have Another, we have Michelle Baxter on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on a great race at CIM. Thank you so much. It's been a long time coming, and so I'm still on that cloud nine from it. Oh, good. I'm glad you're still soaking it up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I read your recap on your blog 
on the bike while I was on the bike this morning in my garage. So that was really fun to kind of hear the breakdown of all the miles. Yeah. It's always nice to be able to write that just for my own sake. And I know people like the details. So I've been blogging for 11 years now. So I've always done a recap after almost every race, especially the big ones. So yeah, it's fun to go back because then I go back and realize, Oh, I don't remember that part. And yeah. And then just, and then sometimes for practical purposes. Okay. Well, how did, what did, what, what was my nutrition like for that marathon? So things like that. Yeah. It, um, so it's, it's nice to have that. And I know people enjoy reading it. Yeah. Okay. That one of the things that we're going to talk about is your nutrition. Cause I'm super curious about some things you mentioned in the blog, like things that you changed and the carb loading and all that. So we'll get there. But first, before we do that, um, your official time two fifty eight. what? 24. Okay. 258.24. I always feel like if I get the the um, minutes right, that's all I really need, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, and so why don't we just like walk back a little bit? I know this has been such a long process for you. And that's why these stories of like sub three, you know, like first sub three hour marathons are so exciting to me when there's like a story behind it. Not that it's not cool when someone goes out and runs their first or second marathon sub three, but like when there's been years of training and babies and injuries and whatever else it might be in someone's life, I just think that feels so relatable to so many people because we all have things that slow us down or trip us up or whatever it may be. So what year did you run your first marathon? 2010. Okay, 2010. 2010, I ran Grandma's Marathon in Minnesota. That's where I'm from, so that's um, why I chose that marathon. And at the time, I had trained for that race. I, I did. I had decided when I was going to commit to running a marathon, I wanted to train because you hear a lot of people they just almost accidentally fall into running it. But I did want to train, and so I ran 3:44 at that race. And okay. I was at that time I was trying to qualify for Boston. I don't know that I thought it would happen the first time, but within a few tries, I did get there. But that wasn't, you know, I didn't qualify for Boston on my first try either. Okay. I love that. I'm so, so curious. Okay. So I ran my first marathon in 2008. So we're kind of like similar timelines as far as like how long we've been distance running. And I ran, what did I, I ran a 339, same goal. I was trying to qualify for Boston, which then it did qualify me because it was 340 at the time, Okay, which is crazy to think about. They might've changed it soon after that, but everything was just so different then. Like the world of running was so much smaller in 2008. Um, but I always say that that first marathon, I like just had a Timex watch and like we had a training plan, but I did everything based on time, which looking back, I'm like, I was probably running so much further then I realized because I, you know, I would just be like, oh, I assume I'm running a nine minute mile or something like that. And now looking back, I was probably running so much faster. So going so much further, which is probably why I ended up running faster than I thought I could, you know. Um, so I'm just curious, like, what did do you remember what your training looked like for that first marathon? Um, I do remember doing a lot the long runs, some hard workouts, Um I'd have to go back in my logbook for sure. But I think I probably did more track stuff, yeah. track workload, just because I was mm, kind of knew what to do based off cross country and college. 
So it kind of carried over some of those workouts, 800s. Not that those are bad, but I definitely did not do workouts within long runs like like I do now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so probably track stuff. Honestly, I don't really remember too much. Yeah, yeah. So how many marathons have you done since then? So this is number 12. Okay. Same was number 12. Okay. So awesome. not a ton. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a lot of years. Yeah, yeah. And I knew, I mean, I didn't even feel like, well, living in Alaska, it was always hard to run more than one. I mean, we'd always have the tra- we'd have the travel, or it's hard to do Boston here because you have the train during the winter, and uh, so things like that. Just the logistics made it difficult to do more than one a year. Okay, let's pause right there. I need to know about living in Alaska. That's one of the reasons I wanted to interview you. <laughs> I just think it's so fascinating, and I cannot imagine training in the weather that you train in? I know you do treadmill runs too, but like, how do you deal with this cold? It's, it's hard. Um, and for most people, it's, it's the traction part for running. So the roads stay covered in snow and ice six months out of the year, basically. Really? So yeah, pretty much. I mean, at least four. Wow. Yeah. It's, it does not go away. Cause what happens is we get a big snow and the snow, it takes two or three days for the snow plows to come and plow everything. And by then, the cars have packed the snow down. So, and the plows can't get to the actual pavement. So, I'm running on snow and ice four or five months out of the year. And so, I have to wear, I wear studded shoes to help with the traction because my regular road running shoes are, I would slip and fall. So, I wear studded shoes. What brought you to Alaska? My husband's from here. We were only supposed to stay a year. We were only going to stay a year, and now almost 15 years later. 15 years. Yeah. So, but you're from Minnesota, so it's not like you, like, moved to Alaska from, like, Florida or, you know, like, you know, like, you know, winter. But, like, is it hard? Like, is it hard? I feel like seasonal, seasonally I would really struggle because I struggle in the winter in Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, the daylight, I mean, you can see it's eight o'clock here, it's pitch black and the sunrise is at 10 a.m. right now. But even yesterday it was like 1045 and it was still dusky at 1045 a.m. It was almost 11 a.m. So, and then the sun sets at like 3 p.m. Are you so, kidding me? No. <laughs> wow. Okay. So are you a lifer? Like, are you, are you trying to campaign to leave or what? Yes. <laughs> are you? <laughs> oh, yes. In your dream life, where would you live? Oh, probably Colorado or North Carolina. Oh, okay, good. Oh, good. I like to hear that because we just moved to North Carolina. I know. I know. And I'm very jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it is just so badass that you train in Alaska and that you have the motivation to do it like with these kinds of like date. I mean, it is hard to get out of bed when it's dark out and you're getting out of bed when it's dark out regardless because if it doesn't get light till 10 a.m., yeah. Yeah. The days in the winter are very, very short. And then, I mean, people live, but people live for the summer. Like they say the lack of daylight in the winter is worth it for all the daylight in the summer. Hey friends, a quick break here to thank Gooder for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you are looking for some fun, some fashionable and affordable sunglasses, you got to check out Gooder. They have all kinds of styles and fun colors and designs. Also, they have super classic colors and designs. My favorite happened to be the Breakfast Run to Tiffany's shades. They're like a runway style and they're black and they have a little gold underneath it. 
Uh, but I personally love to bring the fun and wear exciting, colorful sunglasses to races. I think that that is so much fun. And I will always be racing in some sunglasses. Uh, these are great for on the go, for exercising, for running errands, whatever you're doing, these are great sunglasses. And you all can save. Isn't that exciting? When you go to gooder.com slash another, use the code another15, and that'll get you 15% off your order. That's gooder.com slash another, and that'll get you 15% off your order. All right, friends, back to my conversation with Michelle. Um, okay, so in these 12 marathons since 2010, at what point did you think, I'm going to try to break three hours? And did you think it was actually possible? Uh, I definitely did not even have the thought. It was my coach who approached me. Uh, actually, before she was my coach, we had met via our blogs, and she was from Minnesota as well and pretty close to where my parents are. And I had gone to see her and just meet up with her. And that was in October, November 2013. And she had been following my training on my blog and so kind of knew where I could improve and what I can do to get faster. And she's like, I really think you could run a sub three hour marathon. And at the time, my marathon was a 317. So to cut basically 17 plus minutes off, I was like, that's crazy. Like, but I also saw her authenticity in her voice and her face when she told me. And I was like, well, she seems to believe in me. So I've never, I never had anybody believe in me like that before with my running. So I was like, well, I guess maybe there's something to it. So let's we'll give it a try. What year was that? That was fall of 2013. So Michelle has two two kids. So where are you in terms of like motherhood? Oh, hadn't, hadn't gotten pregnant yet. Okay. So that happens sort of shortly after then if you have a seven-year-old, yeah. right? Yes. Okay. Had you Then did you like do another marathon before having baby? No, no. Okay. Um, we had more or less decided to get pregnant shortly after that. And then because um, I was... 30 or just turning 30. And so it's like the time was, yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Yeah. Um, so, but then after that, after I had my son, I ran, well, it wasn't, I had him in the fall of 2014. My first marathon back was nine months postpartum. Okay. And that wasn't necessarily, I didn't really think I could break three hours at that point in time. Training was going well for being relatively, you know, short period of time postpartum. Um, that, that also was a pretty high race. Um, I ended up winning one of the local races here at nine months postpartum and I ran, um, an adjusted time of three Oh seven. Oh, wow. This was one mile short. Oh. So we only ended up running 20, uh, 25.2 miles that day. Did you guys know it was going to be shorter? Did it like, was it just a goof on the course and it was a small race? A goof on the course. They had changed wow. the course that year and then there was a, an out and back section and they basically set the cone too close and they forgot to put it push it out further oh so we ran here and so then it's like after that point in time I, just my watch wasn't matching up with the mile markers and I'm like wait okay what's I this isn't right what's then I was thinking maybe we would do an extra mile at the end or something but um it was yeah that was still pretty high that was a high 
just winning that race and being nine months postpartum yeah. and running a, a basically a 10 minute PR. So that, yeah, that was a, that was a really good race. And then from there, I just kind of continued to improve postpartum, had a really, um, those next six months and then really had a shot to run a sub three marathon. I, at grandma's 2016, 14, yeah, 16. And, but the weather was so hot. It was like oh. 80, 85 degrees and high humidity. And I just, that's, that's not, you're not going to perform well in a marathon. You got to be fit for a 249 to, to run a 259 yeah. on a day like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then after that, um, had some injuries, had a long injury, 10 month injury with a hip labral tear, um, that I had, took a while to rehab and had a couple of shots. I don't know. I'm like telling the whole no, story. Yeah, no, tell it. I want, we want to know. Um, and, Go for it. And then let's see. Yeah. So after the 10 month injury, I finally rehabbed that. It was feeling pretty good, but I just feel like I had like little flare ups of injuries here and there. 2017, 2018. And then had, my second son in 2019. Um, and then the pandemic. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, there was like a lot of hiccup or like a lot of stops or starts and stops where I couldn't just really didn't have a, a long time to train, like going to New York city marathon. I only had like four months to train. And so I just didn't have enough time to where I was healthy to really, get to gain some fitness to try for a sub three. When did you run New York? 2018. Okay. So before baby, before your second baby. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No. So tell us about this training cycle. Who were you working with? Um, like mileage? What did you peak out at? All that good stuff. Yeah. So basically from when my son was born in fall 2019 until now, it's kind of, kind of my training cycle, just a really long training cycle. And the fact that I knew that I wanted to, I had basic, I had signed up for CIM April, 2020. Mm -hmm. So shortly after I had my son, not knowing when we were all naive that, yeah. that the pandemic would be over that whole time, that whole, this whole two years postpartum now, I've just, I knew that I was still going to go for the sub three and I knew that I was going to try at CIM. Um, I also, I did do another marathon in August here. Um, but so two years and then that whole time I um, was working with my coach, Nicole, and she was the one that instilled this idea in me. And so we had the bill up to my August marathon here. And it was, I ran a 301, uh, 14. Oh, really? So okay. Uh, 75 seconds short of a sub three. I really thought it was going to go well. It was just, it ended up being a pretty hilly course. It was just shy of a thousand feet elevation gain. So, and it's, you know, there's other factors like not a lot of people to run with here and our races are small, not a lot of people cheering, things like that. So, um, but then the time in between that August marathon and CIM, I did self-coach. My coach took on another job and she wasn't able to coach me. So I self-coached. She was still, I would still text her and, you know, ask her for advice here and there. 
But then during these last three, three and a half months, um, I did do, I did a lot more 20 milers. I think I did four, at least four. And I did like two 20 milers, a 22 miler and a 24 miler. Mm. So that was something I had. I've done that in the past, but not, not as recently. And then I did a hundred mile week. Mm. So, which I also, I've done those a couple in the past, but I did that again, this training cycle. So more volume and then more of those marathon pace mile workouts within the long runs. I just can't imagine doing a hundred mile week. Your body must handle it well though. I mean, if you can do it, your body, your body didn't fall apart. Yeah. Um, I think, like I said, I've done them. I mean, it's been a few years. I actually, this is the first time after having kids. So I've done, I had done them before kids, but yeah, I get, I do handle pretty high mileage. Well, you know, I usually stay in the 60s, 70s, low 80s for most of my other training, my marathon cycles. So I did a 90 mile week and then, and it went well. I actually felt really good. I was surprised how good I felt. And then I was going to do 95. I was thinking like trying to aim for 95 and my friend's like, well, you might as well yeah. do 100. <laughs> might as well <laughs> get to it. And yeah, that the week of the hundred mile week on, it was the week of veterans week, veterans day. And on that day we got dumped on with snow. It was, I think we got 18 inches of snow in 24 hours or something oh crazy God. like that. <laughs> and I did a 14 mile workout on the treadmill that morning. Cause the one time I will not run outside. I, there's the cold won't stop me. I don't like it. I don't like the cold at all, but I, um, I will usually go outside over the treadmill, but those any fresh snow that is just, it's so hard to run, especially mm-hmm. when it's that much. Um, so it's so difficult to run on outside in the fresh snow. So that morning I did, um, a 14 mile workout on the treadmill. And then I did another four or five miles in the afternoon on the treadmill. So it was so like it gets a to your 100. 18, 19 mile day on the treadmill. And then, yeah. So that was like the tail end of my hundred mile week. <laughs> oh, I love it. What's, what's the running community? Like, are you in Anchorage? I'm in Anchorage. Yeah. Okay. There's a couple groups. I had a really hard time trying to find other people to run with mm. these last few months. I, every weekend before my long run, I'd be texting my friends, Hey, can you run with me? <laughs> but it was, I don't know. Everyone just was, was on different schedules and, or had different other things that they were training for, or someone had just run Boston. So they couldn't, and they were recovering from that. So there's a couple of groups in town. Um, but usually I do a lot of my training on my own. Just, I, I do it early in the morning and uh, yeah, it's, it's been hard. It was hard to coordinate with other people's schedules. I noticed that your treadmills in your garage. I'm all about a garage gym. Is it cold in there though? Our garage is heated. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Which I get, I get asked a lot and yeah. I don't know. I feel like a heated garages are an Alaskan thing. Okay. Cause even in Minnesota, I didn't know a lot of people with a heated garage, but yeah. And I don't know if it's because like our water heater is out mm-hmm, there and mm-hmm. so we have to that, but yeah, it, it, there's a heater. That's amazing. And I, yeah. And I always, um, I actually don't run with the door open like that for my, when I have that on my reels. <laughs> it's better light. It's better light. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then you can see the elements like as to why I'm not running outside. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, um, when we still lived in Indiana, we had finished our garage in the back with like a carriage house on top. So we rented that out on Airbnb. And so we did our garage below or gym below it. And it it was heated because the Airbnb was heated and it was all kind of one unit. And so we were really lucky because people would, even in Indiana, people would ask me that too. They were like, don't you get so cold in your garage? And I'm like, well, we're spoiled, you know, but now here in our little garage gym here, which our garage is like a third of the size that it was in Indiana, um, it's not heated, but winters are also more mild, so... Yeah. I'll take yeah. the more mild winter, I guess, that over the heated garage that we oh, have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Something about a treadmill in the house. I love it in the in the garage. It feels more like – it makes me feel like I'm more outdoors or just – I don't know. I, fe- I feel more connected to running, running on a treadmill in a garage versus like inside. Does that make sense? Yeah. I guess I never thought about it. Last winter was the first time I'd had a treadmill at home. Oh, my gosh. Otherwise, Are you serious? Yeah. Otherwise I'd have to go to the, to the um, gym to use the treadmill there, or we do have an indoor 400 meter track here uh, just right down the road from where I live, which is really, really nice. Um, but the one winter it collapsed, there's like so much snow and ice built up on it. And it's like a inflatable dome and it collapsed one winter. So we don't have it. And then during the pandemic, you had to wear a mask to run inside there. And I didn't really want to do that. So yeah, last winter was the first time I had a treadmill in my house. What treadmill did you go with? Um, I got it was from a friend. It, it's a Nordic track, which I okay, actually that's really what we like. have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a model only made for Sears stores. Okay, so it's like kind of middle of the of the road, but yeah. I wanted I wanted it to be able to push the like speed because uh-huh. I I mean that's usually when I'm using the treadmill is when I have to oscillate between intervals and different speeds quickly. So I wanted that and just, I mean, it's, yeah, it's nothing too fancy. My thing is I want, I want it to decline. Does yours decline? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be able to go up and down to like, I don't know. Well here, actually now I don't care because now we live in North Carolina and it's so hilly. So now I've been running on the treadmill like once a week, even though it's nice out be, just to get flat because I'm like, so I know I'm not really using the incline decline too much, but, um, in Indiana, it was so flat that I wanted the decline too. Oh, so no. I could like mimic actual hilly runs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Usually when I'm using the treadmill, it's for a faster workout. Yeah. So I'm not, I just keep it well at like a half to 1% incline. And then I just, so I, I don't use it too much for hill training or incline training. Do you like doing speed work on the treadmill? I've gotten, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I've, I'd rather be outside, but it's, it's okay. Um, I know it's, if I want to maintain my fitness or build fitness during the winter, it's really the only option for me here. Um, and those workouts, they go by fast, much faster than just running, you know, 10 straight miles easy on the treadmill. So yeah, it's it, it's nice to be able to set the pace and just stick with it and kind of train your body that way. So it's tolerable. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the actual race at CIM. There's there's always such a great community of people trying to break three hours or OTQ or whatever the goal is. So is that part of the reason why you chose that race? Kind of. Um, someone here 
um, that I run with or um, know in the running community here, he had run it in 2019. He's like, you've got to sign up. It's a great community. Like that was one of his selling points is like just the community is so cool and so inspiring. And he knew I was going for a sub three. Um, so he kind of got me to sign up for it with that being one of the um, reasons. But I think really more so as I've listen to podcasts with people who have run in the past. Like I listened to Ellie on the runs. She had the OTQ, the pacers for the yep. OTQ group in 2019. Yeah, that was really cool. So I think it was like more so learning about the race and having, hearing other people's experience that really, I was like, wow, this is really special race. Mm-hmm. Did the course feel like, cause people go to CIM to run fast. Did it feel fast? I know there's rollers. I didn't think the rollers were bad at all. And maybe it's because I, you know, I mean, Anchorage is like fairly hilly. It kind of depends upon where you are in the city. Like I definitely have hills and rolling hills that I train on regularly. So I didn't think it was bad at all. Um, And I definitely, I, I thought it was fast, especially those last few miles. I mean, you ran a 610 mile at mile 25. That's insane. I don't know how I did that. Did you feel it? Were you like, this is the last, like, cause I, you know, I mean, you still had a mile to go after that. I, yeah, I still don't, I don't think I saw that mile pop up on my watch. I was more focused on my total elapsed time on yeah. my watch. Yeah. And more making sure that I was going to make it under three hours, which at that point I, you know, was like, unless I get like some major cramp yeah. or trip and fall it's, it's, you know, it's should happen. So I don't remember seeing that split on my watch. Yeah. Cause I mean, even if that split would have stayed like six thirty, you would have still broke two fifty nine. Yeah. That was yeah. fast. Yeah. I think just, um, the, you know, the crowds got, there was more people cheering at that point in time. And I came up on the, uh, sub, the three hour pace group, which I never saw them. I like saw them at the start and then I never saw them again. And I would constantly like look up and as, a, as the road dipped, I li- would look for them. And I don't know if the guy w- wasn't holding a sign very high, but they were, they were fast out of the gate. Yeah. I saw that in your recap that you were like planning to kind of hang with them for a little bit, but they just took off at the beginning. Yeah. I was wanting to, I want to say, I heard someone say they went through the half in like one twenty nine, and I, my, I went through the half at one thirty oh eight, but that was elapsed time. Where that was like you were thirty seconds back from the the start, or was that your total time? That was my actual. That was oh, my actual. did that freak you out a little bit? Because like the smart way to run a marathon is to negative split, but like it takes so much confidence to cross the halfway mark and be like, I have to speed up in the second half to break three. Yeah, I was, but I was feeling okay. Yeah, like I was feeling pretty good at that point in time. And I knew, I knew it was like, you wanted to even split or negative split. And I also knew the course, like I, you know, I looked at the course profile and knew that the second half was much easier uh, or just more downhill. And so I was pretty sure that that wouldn't um, mess me up. Like I would be able to do it. So, um, but my bathroom break. (laughs) Oh, right. Your bathroom break at mile five or seven. When was that? Yeah, it was like mile five, I think. Then I had, a, I stopped, decided to stop and use the bathroom or, um, so that, and so I knew that I had, right. I don't know. Yeah. It, going through the half at mile at one thirty oh eight didn't freak me out. I was, I was okay with that. Cause I actually thought I might be a little bit over with my back bathroom break. 
Right, right. Yeah, because I mean that if that was Maya was like seven seventeen, that that took like a good thirty seconds off what you were doing. Right, right. Yeah. Are you so glad you stopped? (laughs) I'm glad I stopped, yeah. Yeah. Nothing like running twenty more miles having to pee the entire time. Yeah, no. Yeah. It was It was too uncomfortable. So were there times in the race where you got nervous or like what, you know how like the, they always say like the marathon is like ebbs and flows, right? Like I feel great. Woo. And then like, you're like, oh no, oh shit. What am I doing? Like, what was your mental process? Um, yeah. I, I, going into the race, it's like, there's so, it's, it's a long time and there's always things you don't plan on going wrong, whether it's dropping a goo or like my bathroom stop or cramping unexpectedly. So I just, you know, I know there's a lot has to go right. Um, but for the most part, I was, I just, you know, just like constantly checking my time and staying on pace. Um, at, I mean, I really was in a pretty good headspace the whole time at mile eight. I remember thinking, Oh, I'm starting to hurt a little bit. This is getting hard. And then mm. I, then I remembered how much I can hurt and how much um, it's going to hurt even more. So I was like, okay, no, I'm fine. <laughs> um, and just, I think just having the other people there to distract me, like it was such a big race that listening to other people talk in their conversations that distracted me and then having people cheering and, or focus just me focused on um, when I'm going to take my next job. Okay. Now when am I going to see my parents? And so those little things just, kind of broke up the race and, um, helped it go by fast. And really, I really fortunately did not have too many points in the race where I got into a bad headspace or felt really bad. I mean, I think part of that has to be just, you were so prepared, like your training was there, right? Like if you know that your training was there and you believe in it and you've done it enough times, you can kind of talk yourself off those cliffs. Yeah. That's the other thing. I mean, just having the experience of running marathons and coaching other people through marathons and following other people on social media and learning from their experiences. So yeah, it's, I know what I need to do. And I feel like I have a bag of tricks that, you know, you can pull out and use on race day. Yeah. I love that. That's what people need to do. Have your bag of tricks ready to go. Um, where did you see your husband and your kids on the course too? They weren't on the course, not until the end. My husband was watching the kids and he didn't want to try to navigate. Right. Cause it's like point to point. It's point to point. Yeah. So they came to the finish line. They were at the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't want to try to navigate, um, that with two, two young kids. So, um, <clears throat> my parents and aunt were out on the course and then I would see, I had a friend, she's actually from Anchorage here. She was in Sacramento visiting her family. So I saw her a few times on the course and then other random people who follow me on social media, they said hi. So that's always nice. And there was one other gal who I'd met at a, a half marathon here in Anchorage this summer. She, I think she lives in Nebraska. And I saw her, she was a guide for a blind man and they were right around that three hour pace too. So oh, that's so cool. Was, yeah. She's just seeing those, you know, seeing those people, familiar faces and, having other people say hi to me, that, that also lifts your spirits too. It's kind of crazy what kind of boost it gives you, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Or just, yeah. Just to hear your name called and I look over and it's like a stranger. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's a game changer though. It like totally like kicks your butt into gear. Like, oh yeah, I'm doing this race. Like, let's go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
Hey, everybody, a quick break here to thank Beam for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you are looking to level up your hydration game, look no further than their Elevate hydration powders that give your body the electrolytes it craves. When you're hydrated, your body functions the way it was designed to function. Listen, do not sleep on the Elevate Recovery. This is the recovery blend that has electrolytes in it. It is refreshing, tastes like fresh lemon. It has non-GMO collagen peptides plus BCAA for supportive joint and muscle health. And it is just super rejuvenating. And you got to rehydrate, replenish those electrolytes if you are out for a sweaty run or workout. Uh, They also have a Dream Blend, which is a nice, delicious take on hot chocolate. It's like a healthy take on hot chocolate. I take it every night before bed. It's got magnesium. It's got melatonin, a little nano, hemp, CBD in it. So good and relaxing. Helps you get a good night's sleep. You all can save when you go to beamorganics.com and use the code ANOTHER at checkout. Beamorganics.com. Use the code ANOTHER at checkout. All right, friends. Back to my conversation with Michelle. Um, Okay, so I want to hear about the fueling strategy that you had and also like what did you change for this race going into it? So fueling during the race, um, normally I'll take three gels, which I am realizing as the more I learn about marathoning and the more I follow like registered dietitians on Instagram, everyone's like, you need more fuel, more fuel, more hydration. And so for my marathon in August, I decided to do four gels along with some scratch in a water bottle. And I felt a big difference. I just, by the end, I mean, I was tired, but I just, I did not hit that wall at mile 22, like I had in so many of my other marathons. So I felt it much better. And then this time I ended up taking in five gels, which kind of found an accident. I had three tucked in my top at the start. I had a fourth in my arm sleeve before I tossed that. And then I had taped one to the water bottle my dad handed to me at my like 15. Oh, smart. Um, I also knew that there was going to be gels on the course. So I was, you know, didn't freak out too much. Like if I didn't get the water bottle from my parents or I dropped one, I had those as backups. And so, and I started feeling much earlier in the race. I think I took my first gel at like mile four, four or five, which is much earlier than I would normally take it in. But um, someone had said that that's what they didn't like, you know, when your stomach's feeling a little calmer at the beginning of the race, just try to front load as many calories as you can. So I tried that approach and then did it basically every five miles or so um, throughout the race. So that was one thing I did differently for this race. And then I also did a car, like a true carb load for going into CIM. So for the two and a half days before the race, I ate, I ate, um, 90, basically 90% carbohydrates. And I followed, uh, Featherstone nutrition, Megan, her, yeah, she I has just, a little book up, book lit out. And then she had a podcast that I listened to. And so it was very specific because I had done, uh, a carb load for a prior, actually I did a carb deplete and that carb load, which she said is not nece- the carb deplete is not necessary and probably more detriment, maybe a little more detrimental. Uh, but I didn't have like a specific number of grams of carbohydrates to hit for that first carb load. And whereas this time I did. And so I was tracked all my calories 
or all my grams of carbohydrates those days going into the marathon. Um, I had to eat more than what she, like I had to eat, eat 400 grams of carbohydrates, but that's only 1600 calories, which that's not enough for me. Yeah. So that's I not enough food. More. Yeah. I ended up eating more, but any, thing over I still just try to make a carbohydrates or mostly carbohydrates so so if it's 1600 calories worth of carbohydrates you can just eat your other calories in like protein or fat or whatever to get over to what like your body wants yeah from what I understand yeah so obviously like the bagels that I had they do have some fat they do have a little bit of protein so yeah it's it's 400 basically 1600 calories of carbohydrates, but I was still hungry. I like, I had hit my 400 grams for the day, but I was still hungry and it was in the afternoon. And I also did do a fair amount of liquid, uh, calories. Like mm-hmm. I read the, those bolt house juices, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very sugary, very, but I mean, maybe not the <laughs> healthiest for most people, but great for a carb load. Right. You're trying um, to get all the, all your carbs in. Yeah. Yeah. So I got some of those. And so I think just having, liquid calories. I just didn't feel as full. So I just like, I know the carb loading thing works and it's a real thing, but like, I just struggle with it. Cause I'm like, I feel like I just carb load every day. Like, I feel like I eat so many carbs every single day that like, could I possibly add more? No, I think, no, it, it's, it was kind of crazy. Like what, I mean, it was bagels, graham crackers, pretzels. I mean, I eat a lot of carbs too, but this is this. So for the most part, it wasn't wasn't necessarily hard, but I, you know, I did have to be conscientious about what I eat. And I, um, I mean, yeah, not really any protein. Um, I, though I did, I will say I had a few bites of my kids, chicken, chicken, nugget, chicken fingers. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. That's like any good <laughs> <Yeah>. mom should. <laughs> and some French fries too. So <laughs> yeah, I, I struggle with that with my kids with dinner. Like if I make them, you know, macaroni and like just whatever their food and I'm making my own healthy food that they won't eat. I'm always yeah. taking bites here and there. I can't cook them. I can't cook them a meal without grabbing bites. Yeah. I think that's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's just normal life there. Um, so you would do, I feel like Heather, is it Heather? Yeah. The dietitian. I feel Megan. Like, Megan. Megan. I, I think Heather because Feather, Heather. Yeah. Sorry, Megan. Um, yeah. I feel like she's kind of blowing up. I'm seeing her on my feet a lot. And like, I feel like a lot of people are really talking about the nutrition advice that she has to give yes. in regards to the carb loading and whatnot. Yes, I agree. Cause I feel like she works with a lot of, um, a lot, lot of runners because she also can perform women who there was eight women at CIM who are also trying to break three hours mm. from Mary's group, mm-hmm. Mary and Lawrence, they were coaching that group. So I had met them the day before, um, thinking and hoping I would run with them, but, um, I didn't, but I saw them at the end. Um, but yeah, um, Megan had worked with them and then she worked, I think she worked with a lot of McCurdy trained athletes too. And she worked with Megan Murray, Murray. I always say her last name wrong. Um, that was on the podcast. Oh yes. I did hear that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason I thought you were doing Mary's group and I don't know why I thought that. I had really thought about it. So initially when she had that group, I was still working with my coach. And then after the August marathon, when my coach took on a new job and wasn't able to coach me anymore, um, we had kind of thrown out that idea, but they were already in, they were already into their training. And I kind of needed special, like a month to recover from Mm -hmm. my marathon and then build up again. So I, I'd went back and forth on whether or not to reach out and ask 
to join the group. Um, I mean, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, I should have, because it was so, it was such a fun group. But I did connect to, uh, to some of them on social media, so that was fun. Um, but then basically, I decided to hire a strength coach instead of work with my running coach. I hired a strength coach, which was 100% worth it. It was that was another thing that in this last three and a half months that made a huge difference in my fitness. Because I feel like I gained more fitness in these three months than I had, like, say, January to my August marathon. Well, and you've been running long enough and coaching people long enough that, like, you know what needs to happen with the running. And so the guidance for the strength was probably way more important. Yeah, and it was so different. The strength training that my strength coach had me do was a lot of eccentric work, really slow on the way down. Mm. Um, (laughs) I hate that so much. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. I could not believe just doing like a split squat. Uh-huh. I was so much pain. Yeah, it, but it was so good, especially because I told her I was running CAM. So we, she had me do like make sure my quads were really strong mm-hmm. for the downhill. Mm-hmm. And she's a runner herself trying to break three hours. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, so she's she really she knows her stuff. I mean, yeah, I it was 100% worth it to work with her. I always struggle with patience on the eccentric stuff because I'm like, I just want to bang it out. Like, I just want to move on from this squat. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, because so I would work virtually with her. So she's in Minnesota. Oh, and I, okay. We would, just, we would just do a Google Meet. And she would, but she coached me through it. And yeah, I would not have done as many reps as she had me do because she does it to like true failure. And mm. I was hurting at, at those, at the end of those sessions. And actually at the end of every set, everything she had me do. Yeah. It was really hard, but really good. And yeah, I think just having that accountability that made me that much stronger. So how did you balance that with running such high mileage and like, how did you space out? Well, I guess the first question should be how many days a week were you strength training? Twice. Okay. I think that's like such a good, healthy balance. I mean, if you're running high mileage, like that's, That's much more than that. It's hard to fit in. And then how are you recovering enough to do some like good quality runs on your hard days? Yeah. So I would, I was always lift. So I would lift one session with her and then the second session would be on my own. And I would lift after on the same day as a hard workout. So hard workout in the morning, usually strength train during my son's nap time in the afternoon and then an easy shakeout run in the evening was typically how I structured those. Um, but always have, she always said to have two days of no strength in between. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, so it was like, yeah, two days of no strength in between the two sessions and then yeah, trying to keep the hard days hard, easy days, easy. So did you focus more on legs? Did you do like full body one day, mostly legs one day? What did that look like? I always do full body each session. Both days. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, her, her workouts were full body. It was legs, upper body and core within 30 minutes. So it was a very, it's really productive. And I mean, it yeah, was 30 minutes. That's good. Yeah. 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 If you can commit to that and do it like 30 minutes, we all have 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what do you think were the most important, like, things you learned from the strength program as far as like what you'll take with you when you go try to run 255 or when you coach your athletes? 
having the two days off in between the strength sessions and then it's crazy how much you don't you don't how many little weight you you, you can you do a lot just with body weight mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so just knowing that you can get a quality strength session in with very little weight um, but also that eccentric component and trying to go I mean usually the count was like 10 to, like for a squat 10 down two up no yeah it's hard you know what I forgot about eccentric like I've been lifting pretty consistently for like a year and a half now. And, um, my husband has kind of like, kind of stopped lifting so much. He's just been busier with work and our move and everything. But I, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you haven't been lifting with Glenn anymore. And he would always make me do that eccentric stuff. And I, I probably haven't done eccentric stuff in like six months. Yeah. Dang it. Dang it. And I'm going to have to now that you're talking about it. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pro, an approach that I didn't necessarily know. I mean, I knew it was out there, but I yeah. didn't know that it was applicable to running it and how much it could help with my running as well. Okay, so what do you say your biggest lessons were from CIM this year, from the race itself or the training, however you want to package that up? The, the more nutrition on the course or during the race, earlier in the race, um, and trying, I mean, if I, you know, another marathon build, I would try to do the higher, higher mileage, more long runs, long runs with workouts in them. I think I did three by 12 miles. I mean, three by four <laughs> miles. <that's, laughs> that would be a lot. Three by four miles at goal marathon pace. And I did my goal marathon pace, I would always do it a little bit faster. I really did it a lot at 640 pace mm-hmm. um, just so that that 645, the mm-hmm. 650 pace that I needed would feel that much easier. So I would definitely do that again too. What's your break between when you do three by four? What's your in between? Um, half a mile. Okay. I think, I think I did a half a mile. Okay. Quarter to a half a mile. Something like that. Yeah. And then I would say just in general with my running the last year and a half in particular is the nutrition piece, like eating something before my morning runs and within 30 minutes. That has been, I have, because I basically, I've had just like tiny little flare-ups of niggles, but that was the one thing I, piece I changed in the last year and a half, two years is eating something before my morning run because otherwise I would do most of my runs fasted. Mm. And for the last, essentially the two last two years, I haven't had any major injuries. Um, and I really think that, and then getting fuel within 30 minutes has been, has been the reason why. What do you eat before? Like, do you run early? Like, are you home with your youngest kid and your older ones at school? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So are you running before your husband goes to work? Yeah. He starts work at 8.30. Okay. So I have to be done by then. So, I mean, sometimes it's a 7 a.m. start in order to be done yeah. by 8.30. So 6.37 is usually when I'm running. Um, not crazy early like some people who do. No, I think that's doable. Like that feels that feels good to me. Like 7 a.m. feels – I mean, I'm a 9 a.m. runner. Don't you – know, <laughs> but 7 a.m. feels like I can get up at 5.00 have my morning and then run. I just, I need to be up. Like I can't get out of bed and go run. I need to, I need to be awake for like at least an hour. 
Yeah. So I'm just eating something small, like 100, 200 calories. It could be a couple graham crackers, um, a gel, or some energy chews. Not, I mean, nothing significant. Just something, basically, as I'm going out the door. Calories so that in my your body. body. Something. Yeah. Um. Okay. I love it. Well, this has been super fun, and I'm super proud of you. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. I don't think it'll ever get old seeing people run sub three for the first time. It is. Yeah. It's kind of that barrier that, I mean, you, the next barrier really is the OTQ. Yeah. And then you got the three, the three hour mark. And then you have kind of Boston, the Boston qualifying standard. I mean, I like- but like when the OTQ was 245, were you thinking about it? And now what do you think? It's like 237. Oh so yeah. No, it's, it's way out of my league. But were you think when it was 245, were you thinking like maybe? I just, I know how much I've trained, like yeah. how much I've put into my last marathons. <laughs> and I just, it's out, it's pretty, it would, it would be a big, big stretch. And just, I mean, knowing where I was in college, like I was not, I was below average in college. So to get to here, it's, it's pretty, that's, it's pretty incredible. And yeah, that's, if I had been a better runner in college than maybe, but no. <laughs> where did where did you run in college? Did you walk on somewhere? I just ran a small D three school in yeah. Minnesota. Okay. Um, yeah, it was it was really my social hour of the day. It was, and I mean I loved running, but really I mean I would say college really, I fell in love with running even more, and probably just that social aspect, and because I ha- struggled with anemia a lot in college. And so I did not, it was not a good, not a good performance per se. Yeah. For me performing well. Um, okay. Michelle, what's something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, travel more travel and travel internationally. Mm. Have you traveled internationally at all? Just drove through Canada, went over the border. (laughs) Alaska to me feels like another country. Yeah. Do you feel like that? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, when I first moved here, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely an element of it being like a different country. And we'll, and we'll come across it like shipping, shipping stuff here. There's almost, we're treated like, like sometimes you can't have stuff shipped here. That's, <laughs> and that's very common. Um, when, if, if I want to visit Alaska, when do I come? June or July. Okay. And where, where do we go? Uh, Anchorage. Homer, Seward. Um, there's a lot. Those are some of the smaller town, like smaller towns on the on the ocean. Um, yeah, Seward, Homer, do Girdwood, Anchorage. Okay. Fairbanks is far. It's a it's a trek, but if you go to Denali. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, what is the best most recent book you've read? Um. So I was rereading uh, Dina Castor's book right before the marathon. I didn't make it through, but that was, um, I don't do a lot of reading. I wish I had more time to read, but. Well, you're running a hundred mile weeks. Who has time to read? (laughs) Yeah. So that was uh, the best, most recent book. I guess if I, if I read less, I could run more. Yeah. (laughs) You got to give up a little bit of something you love to do something else you love. Yeah, I really, I don't have to, I don't watch TV or any shows. I don't. You just go to bed after the kids go to bed and you're just done. 
Yeah, pretty, I do a, do some more work and then go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what? Who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you would like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? Uh, probably Kara Gocher. Mm. She's definitely someone I've looked up to for many years, and she's from Minnesota. And um, just a little thing she's story she shared along the way I've really connected to with. So I think that would be the person I would choose. I feel like you could probably make that happen at some point. <laughs> it's not unreachable. Just not you need to move, move to Boulder. Yeah. Yeah. And you can run into her at a coffee shop. Um, yeah. What is your last message to leave with our audience today? I would say give people more grace. Mm. I think that so much of uh, I, I often have to remind myself that people have the opinions that they do and the thoughts that they do because of what they've experienced in their life or the information that they've been given or sought out. Mm. And so I just, if you really understood where they were coming from, you it'd probably make more sense as to why they had the thoughts that they do. So just to give more people, people more grace and give yourself more grace too. So that would be my message. Um, are you on Twitter? Like I literally, like, I can't believe you just said that because I literally tweeted so close to that last night. We're like on the same wavelength. I have to read it because it's like, as you were saying that, I was like, oh my gosh, she's thinking the exact same thing I'm thinking every day because people are so hateful. And what did I say? I said, this is, you're going to die when you hear this because it's like pretty much what you said. I said, before you judge a human, Do you know their story? Do you know what baggage they carried? Do you really know the reasons why they believe what they believe? It's messy, but if we get to know the whole person, that will likely change the way we think we feel about them. Yeah. And that, as you were saying that, I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) that's, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's so true. And I think that that's the biggest thing is like, I've been learning over the past couple of years is like, someone could think something that you think is just totally crazy, but like who raised them? You know, what have they been surrounded by their entire lives? Like, there's a reason they believe that. And, um, you know, our experiences are just so different. So you just, you just, just don't know. Yeah, exactly. I, the first time I heard the, the kind of the phrase hurt people, hurt people Mm -hmm. that really stuck with me. And then it's like, okay, that, and then just, there was, it was like another meme on Instagram or something where it was like. You know, before you go and judge this, per- judge someone, take a look at their history or their background and figure out why, you know, there's a reason that they have these thoughts or opinions or act the way, act the way they do. Yeah. No, that's really good advice. Okay. Everybody go forth and take it. Uh, thank you, Michelle. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Michelle, for coming on the podcast. Don't forget you can check out Michelle, the runner's plate on Instagram. Connect with me over there too. I would love to get to know you on Instagram. Uh, I am lindsayhine626 and Sandy Boy Productions. Our podcast network is Sandy Boy Productions. Big thanks to Prevenex, Gooder, and Beam for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you head over to sandyboyproductions.com and check out the show notes for this episode, all the links to the discounts will be in there. You can also sign up for our newsletter at Sandy Boy Productions, where um, I just email you the show notes each week if you sign up for our newsletter. That's pretty much what you get from me. And then if there's a book we recommend or anything like that, it just gets emailed to you once a week. You don't have to go searching for it. Um, There's a sign up for that at SandyBoyProductions.com. All right, friends, 
Have a wonderful Friday, a great rest of your weekend, and we will see you in the new year. As always, we'll see you next Friday.